Hey there, fellow travelers of the Jutland Wastes. Mark back here again for the TJW podcast, the Traveling the Jutland Wastes podcast. It is October 7th, 2022. And uh, who out there was watching Andor this week? I, I certainly was. Uh, are you starting to feel the, uh, the Star Wars vibes now? Uh, if you had any doubt about it, <laughs> as I think I had uh, during those uh, first two or three episodes of, of Andor, I am now feeling that uh, we are well within the Star Wars uh, universe right now. And uh, this story is really building up and really getting interesting. Uh, the title of this episode, which is episode five, uh, is The Axe Forgets. Very interesting episode that uh, we got here this past Wednesday. Um, you know, we're now deep into the planning of this heist of the Imperial base on Alhani. Um, couple, just want to mention a couple thoughts here because this is obviously, you know, it's not Dan and I doing our, our back and forth, but this is uh, just our, our, you know, our, 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 our short 15, 20 minute uh, coffee break, lunch break, whatever you have during the day. Uh, this is uh, just some of my initial thoughts about that. Some of the points, or I should say some of the, uh, some of the uh, scenes in the story that, that really uh, pulled at me, um, really interesting exchange between uh, Andor and Skeen. Um, he finds out, you know, Andor wakes up after, uh, you know, taking his nightly nap, that he, that he wakes up and he finds that uh, all his weapons are gone. And uh, he runs out of the hut where he is where he's staying, and he finds out that uh, Skeen was directed by Vel to, uh, you know, to take his weapons and to inspect them. And, um, you know, he is, it's, you know, Skeen is very suspicious of Andor, or as Clem as he is known. Because um, he also notices that uh, he has a weapon that belongs to uh, to Luthar Real, and uh, you know all these. I mean, we are really looking at an interesting point in the rebellion, such of the beginning of this rebellion, that the only part of this rebellion is those seven or eight 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 people there in that uh, little hideout on Alhani. So. Um, you know, everybody's suspicious, including Andor. Andor is also suspicious as well of them. Um, he is hired, he is supposed to be being paid, and uh, he is going to try to see this mission all the way through. Uh, one of the interesting things about that scene between these two, and they have another exchange which comes up a little bit later on in the program as well, is uh, when uh, Skeen shows him his tattoos. And I didn't really know whether or not the tattoos were... I'd have to go back and re-look re, re at this. But um, I'm curious of whether or not those tattoos are actual tattoos that he wanted to to signify that he was part of a a, uh, a group, or or maybe you know something to, to show that he was part of a certain group, or if this was even if you turned it on its head, you know if if you think about um, not to get too heavy here, but uh, when he was showing the especially the uh, the tattoo on on his arm, like right on his on his under his forearm. Uh, it reminded me a little bit, gave me some, some, uh, you know, felt like a little bit of Holocaust imagery, uh, the idea of, 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 of people being tattooed and, and being, you know, numbered and, 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 and assigned and so forth. Uh, but, uh, I'll have to go back and, and, and see that. Don't know if that was specifically the reason they, they, they had, he had those tattoos on him, but it seemed they had some sort of connection and they were talking about their youth of where they were. And it didn't seem, obviously, that either of them had a very pleasant youth uh, growing up. Uh, other things. Let's talk about Mon Mothma for, for a few moments here. Um, not all is well in the Mon Mothma house. Uh, it felt as if, at times, when you're seeing the family together, that it's almost like a really, you know, 
rough scene going on in a soap opera, <laughs> I thought, where you have uh, Mon Mothma and her husband, who, um, uh, parent, parent Fertha, and their daughter, uh, uh, Lieda. It doesn't seem all is happy there in, in their household. Um, it seems as if the, uh, as if hubby and daughter are, are starting to feel, you know, not exactly, how, how can I put this <laughs> to make it sound right? I, they're obviously feeling that, that Mon Mothma is forgetting them as part of this family, which is probably why Perrin is so, you know, so distant from her and why it seemed like the daughter was also distant from her as 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 well she she talks about how she arranged a driver to take her daughter to school as, as and 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 that this was all planned out and uh what it what it appears to be that uh you know Perrin and Lieta are basically telling her that they're tired of being pawns in in her in her subterfuge in all the work that she is doing for purposes not for them but for whatever work that she is doing to try to, you know, work with the rebels. And I do not think that, that her family knows at this time that uh, the, the extent of what her work actually is. But uh, the end result is, is that hubby and daughter are not pleased with, uh, with mom and wife. And uh, it seems like this is causing an enormous amount of strain on the family. Uh, it's making me wonder if later on in this series we're going to see the reason why we never see Mon Mothma later on in uh, in Rogue One or in, in in Return of the Jedi with any other family. Uh, perhaps the family had just left that she sacrificed in a sense. Um, you know the uh, the relationship she had with her husband and the relationship she had with her daughter for the sake of the rebellion. But maybe we'll see a little bit more about that later on in the series. Um, another another. Another scene, or I should say, another aspect of the story that stuck out of my mind is this preparation that they start, that the rebels start trying to do to uh, prepare for this mission. This mission, which is supposed to happen, as they say, within three days, they got to get it so that they can they can stage this heist in a way that people will be distracted by that cosmic event that they're talking about, the eye that uh, the Imperial officer was talking about, uh, Lieutenant Gorin, saying that uh, it, it, it will pull people towards paying attention to the eye and it will give the opportunity for the rebels to take the payroll and I guess whatever sort of you know equipment that they have there at that Imperial base. And it shows the Andors there practicing, marching, and holding the rifle the right way. And uh, they are trying to prepare for this. They are, they are really going all out for this this is a a one shot one shot deal here that that has to go right or it's never going to get off the ground um another aspect of the show that uh, we're noticing is that an imperial base is being set up on ferrex that planet where all this uh where episodes one two and three were uh taking place where andor was um and it seems like that they're probably going to be at least in, in my initial thought here is that uh, Cyril Khan, the uh, the uh, security officer who was uh, sent packing back home, uh, he's the security officer who is living with his mom right now, at uh, in her in her apartment. Uh, and if you saw at the beginning of the episode, it, it really was a very sad, pathetic scene where um, his mom is like serving him a bowl of like, oh, I can imagine it's like, you know, fruity pebbles with some blue milk, of course, because this is the Star Wars universe, some blue milk. And uh, she's there talking about like, how could you have possibly, you know, messed up this time? And what did you do? And 
okay, I'm going to call a family member and uh, I'm going to call your uncle and he's going to fix things. He's going to get you something, a good job. Um, God, it, it sounds so much like any any very close-knit you know, stereotypical ethnic family that is that 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 it, you know tries to do its best and, and and tries to rely on family to to help them out through through difficult times. So um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if uh, Cyril Khan's uncle has a hand or has some sort of hand in the empire, because I'm thinking that he is probably going to be assigned to this imperial security bureau base that is on Ferrix now. But we will have to see that. And speak of the the Imperial Security Bureau, uh, Deidre and one of our officers—they're still investigating that stolen Imperial box that uh, Andor had. And as they're investigating, they're looking into it. They can't seem to—they're going through their files, they're going through all the data, and there is nothing there that is tying all this together. But then Deidre comes up with this idea that perhaps the rebels—what they're doing—is spreading out. All their activities so it doesn't look like it is it is you know part of the same heist in a sense or part of the same operations uh, they talk they, they bring up other planets that that we have uh, heard about in the Star Wars Empire hosting prime Jetta um, we heard Scarif in a previous in, in a previous episode I, I don't remember all the planets that they mentioned here but it's interesting that they are bringing up these planets and it seems as if Deidre is now gonna try to look at her data they're gonna. They, they ended the her 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 segment of the show by having her say, "Let's go through this data one more time. Let's go through the files again. There's two more files. Let's go through it. Let's see if there is any sort of connective tissue um, with all these heists which are going around. So um, I think that the Imperials are gonna start catching on to the Rebels, and we're gonna see um, them all come together, especially with this heist here at the uh, at the base here on Elhani." That is probably going to be the uh, the trigger for Deidre and all these other characters, Cyril Khan and all these other ones coming together in 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 one encounter. Um, let's talk about Lieutenant Gorn for a second. Now we learn about Lieutenant Gorn because you know they don't trust him because he's an Imperial officer. But at the same time, Vel was telling Andor that Lieutenant Gorn was in love with an Alhani woman, um, and that she was somehow killed, and that. His, his, the loss of his love also triggered his loss uh, for his uh, allegiance to the to the Empire. Um, speaking of, so he those are his reasons for helping out the rebels here. And Lieutenant Gore speaks a lot with his, uh, you know, with his crew um, on the base there, talking about like you know, you can see that he's trying to position his people in a way that they're not going to notice the heist that is taking place at this uh, at this base. Um, and we find out that uh, his 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 officers are also looking forward to seeing this uh, this cosmic, you know, experience of seeing the eye in action. And tells tells the lieutenant that you know it's going to lower morale if you don't give the uh, officer or, or give the crew uh, time to enjoy it. So Lieutenant Gorn is still thinking about that. Um, by the end of the episode, we see that the the rebels have made their way to the base. Uh, one of the rebels there holds up a fire signal for Gorn to see to say to basically say that they're here and they're ready to do this. Um, on their way to that base, prior to that, um, Skeen actually finds on Andor his uh, Sky Kyber, that blue Sky Kyber crystal, and as he holds it up for everybody, he goes, "This is Kyber, and this is like worth twenty, thirty thousand 
dollars in Star Wars terms, Star Wars dollars to uh, to 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 this guy. So they find they do. He does admit. Andor does admit then that he is a bit of a mercenary and that he's being paid to do this, but that he still doesn't have any love for the Empire and he has personal reasons why he wants to be able to do this and to basically, you know, strike a blow against the Empire as well. And uh, by the end of the episode, we see uh, we're back to Luthar Real at his antique shop. And you can see he's on edge and he is extremely worried about this mission. He's on his like radio in the back of his store trying to get any sort of update. And uh, his assistant basically says, look, there's nothing else we can do right now. They're doing their part. We got to do our part. By this time tomorrow, it should be done. It should be over. And we should have, um, it's either happened or it didn't happen. And you can see the worried look on uh, Luthen's face that uh, he, he just he just doesn't know what more can be done. That this is such a critical, critical point in, uh, in the rebellion or in the formation of the rebellion to be able to get. Obviously, I think the money is going to be a huge part, as I was mentioning the last time in the previous episode, of, of bankrolling. The, the normative rebellion so that they're going to be able to get the the ships the weapons and and all the funding that they need as we know now that they're having very difficult time especially with mon mothma being being scrutinized quite a bit um she can't siphon off money the way that she used to to assist the rebels but now they might actually have a way of being able to do this uh in a, in a much easier way or at least giving them a really good base to start off with so that they can uh, really strike a blow against the Empire. Um, like I said, there's a lot of things that, that we could talk about here, and it's tough to do it, especially when I don't have uh, Dan here to, uh, to uh, you know, uh, go back and forth with this. Um, but we were, we were chatting a little bit, we were texting back each and forth about the episode, and uh, he did, he did actually um, have some interesting ideas here. Um, and I can't remember the, the the young kid that's part of this of this of this heist here. Um, he thinks that he is it, it, who you know he's writing this political manifesto. He thinks that this character is going to die, and he's going to give the manifesto over to Andor, and this will start him being um, a a true rebel, or it, it will it will it will solidify in Andor his his desire to be part of the rebel the rebel alliance. Um, he all, Dan also thinks that the uh, the, the, the heist is uh, going to go really, really wrong, but uh, somehow uh, he will succeed. You know, there's going to be obviously something wrong with the heist, but somehow, some way, uh, Andor will come out being the hero for, uh, for for this mission, and that might turn things on their head. And that may be some way in how Andor becomes a a, a leader in the uh, in the alliance there. Um, I was asking Dan actually, I said, okay, so we have all these, you know, all this stuff going around, you know, it's leading us up, we're hearing hints of obviously the construction of the Death Star, we're seeing the Imperial Security Bureau, I was saying, do you think that we're going to have to have, or the show is going to have to throw the fans a, a normative Star Wars character within this series just to be able to keep them within, or, or just to give them something to, 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 you know, just be like, wow, I can't believe we we saw this character here in, uh, in in Andor. So my first thought was, is that um, I'm thinking that we might be seeing um, Director Krennic at some time. 
um, him with his cape and his Imperial Security Bureau uh, uniform on, um, maybe giving us some early information about the construction of the Death Star, which we know is happening right now in Scarif. Um, I'm wondering if we're going to see uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, Governor Tarkin, in any way in this as well, too. Uh, Dan, actually, yeah, he had a really bold idea. He said, we might get a glimpse of the Emperor. They do mention the Emperor and serving the Emperor in the series a couple times. So that would be something else to see. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Ian McDermott was there during... Or we, we see the image of the Emperor of him that he did for uh, the Kenobi series. Um, it certainly was not really out of the range of possibility that he also did something for Andor as well, too. Uh, but we will have to see. That would be something to, to, to see. Um, some other stuff here that, that, you know, uh, the thing that, the one thing that's been in, in the last couple episodes that is, uh, fun to see is the, uh, the TIE fighters just flying through the planet there, hearing that roar of the TIE fighter going through. I think they do that just to be able to make us, you know, obviously they brought us, this, this is starting to feel much more Star Wars-y in my opinion than the first two episodes did, but this is really, it's sort of like, you know, just a, a, you know, a little bit of a Star Wars sound just to make sure that you know that you're in that galaxy far, far away. Oh, one other thing that Dan had also mentioned as well, too. Um, I said, I asked him, you know, well, if you're going to have the Emperor and Krennic and maybe Tarkin, why don't we just go all full force here and get Vader in there? And, and Dan said, you know, it, it, Vader's always a draw. Um, and that would be great to see, but he said, you know, an empire functions only with an emperor. So that was his uh, that was his reasoning behind why he thought that uh, the emperor is going to be the uh, the big Star Wars guy that's going to be uh, showing up there. Um, like I said, hopefully we'll get uh, we'll get Dan back on the podcast so we can also go back and forth a little bit more about this. Um, but that's what some of my thoughts I had for 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 Andor. Uh, some other things and other parts, other other Star Wars news and other Star Wars tidbits that were going through uh, my head over the last couple of days. Um, I did see the, uh, the the notice that, or I should say, like I saw the uh, the messaging that Tales of the Jedi, uh, that animated series on Disney's Plus, is going to be starting on October 26th. It's going to be six short episodes featuring Jedi from uh, the prequel era. Um, they're going to be starting off with stories about Ahsoka and Dooku, which, you know, if you're going to start off anything about, like, prequel Jedi, that is where you should go. Uh, I, I am really looking forward to why I, I would, I, am really looking forward to seeing, uh, Ashley Eckstein reprising her role as Ahsoka and seeing a young Ahsoka, how she was, you know, as, how she was as a child and as she grew up and how she came to be with the Jedi. Um, I am much more looking forward to that Dooku story. Um, we hear about how, you know, Dooku, um, he was uh, Padawan, he was Yoda's Padawan, and uh, Dooku was also the, uh, um, you know, master to, uh, to, to Qui-Gon. Uh, Qui-Gon was his Padawan. I'm wondering how much they're going to show of that. Um, but uh, that's really... I, just being able to see Dooku in a younger version of him, to see where he was when he was a Jedi, uh, that is going to be really, really interesting to see. Um, Dave Filoni is in charge of this project, um, and he's also in charge of that other with also with uh, John Favreau with the Ahsoka live action uh, series, which is going to be coming up hopefully next year sometime. But um, the fact that Dave Filoni is behind this Tales of the Jedi series, and it's not going to be a long series, and these are going to be not, I think, full episodes, it's going to be shorts. But uh, even with some animated shorts, um, you can really, you know, pull out some great uh, story, storylines, and, and be able to imagine... Um, the whole universe in light of, of what we learn in these um, in these shorts. 
Uh, also, speaking of Tales of the Jedi, there is also another Tales of the Jedi as well, too. Uh, there was, at first, the Dark Horse, Dark Horse Comics Tales of the Jedi, which was the story of uh, fallen Jedi Ula Keldroma. Really, one of the... I put as one of my top five great Star Wars stories of all time. The Tales of the Jedi, which came out, I think it was either in the late 90s, early 2000s, but it was such an awesomely awesome uh, story about Ula Keldroma. The art in these uh, comics is unbelievable. Um, so the reason I mentioned that is because uh, a bunch of months ago, actually even longer than that, uh, Marvel came out with their epic collection of Dawn of the Jedi, which was their first volume of their Tales of the Jedi. And they just came out recently with the second volume of Tales of the Jedi, which is that first part of the story that uh, Dark Horse did about uh, Jedi Ulic Keldroma. They will come out, obviously, with a, a Volume 3 to complete the series. Um, as great as that epic collection looks, and as great as, as much as I would love to have that sitting next to uh, my my volume of Tales of the Jedi the or Dawn of the Jedi, um, I, I already do own Volume 1 and 2 of the Dark Horse uh, release, their omnibus release of Tales of the Jedi. So I might be holding off on, on, on getting those. But if you don't have it already, um, I would definitely pick those up um, before they get too too pricey. It seems as if <laughs> the, uh, the Marvel's releasing these epic collections uh, with just a set number of them, and they're not reprinting them, it looks like, and it, it ends up going on the secondary market for crazy prices. So it's, it's a shame that that's happening. Um, it would be nice if the fact that they're pulling putting out these nice um, epic collections and collected editions of those great Dark Horse comics. Uh, I really wish they would just, you know, put out enough for a lot of people to be able to get sort of like the way that, that the Dark Horse Omnibus um, came out. And prior to uh, Dark Horse losing the license, uh, those Omnibus were always available for, for very reasonable prices, for like 25 bucks to, to 40 bucks. Um, same way with these epic collections. They're very, really uh, affordable if you want to get them. Um, but the secondary market, if there's one thing that's bothering me these days, it's that they're, they're going for such in enormous price tags on, on the secondary markets and places like eBay and so forth. But, you know, that's just my, um, my little soapbox moment here. Um, what else can I talk to you about? Oh, New York Comic Con starts this weekend. Uh, our friend, Rob Taylor from Hero Fight Art, I just noticed on his Facebook page, he posted uh, his setup there at the Javits Center uh, in New York. And uh, God, he has a really nice setup uh, this year. Um, he has a lot of those great metal prints, which are, which are you can see in the background. Oh, prints, bookmarks, these big metallic, you know, uh, uh, images that he has come up with from, from so many different franchises. Um, obviously, I love all his 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 Star Wars stuff. It's uh, it's it's not. But if you're if you're you know looking for other stuff besides Star Wars stuff, he's got superheroes. He's got his own his his his, his own his, his own. Uh, you know, uh, uh, collection as, as, as well too. But, uh, if you see Rob at the, uh, at the, at New York Comic Con this weekend, uh, tell, give, give him a shout out and tell him that, uh, you know, Mark from the Traveling Gentleman Waste podcast sends his regards. I hope he does really well there. Um, there's a couple of Star Wars guests which are showing up there at New York Comic Con. You got Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron himself will be in, uh, will be in attendance. Brendan Wade, who, uh, was one of the, uh, stunt guys for The Mandalorian. Christopher Lloyd. Now, why am I bring Christopher Lloyd? You know, he's Jim from he's Jim Ignatowski from Taxi or Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future. But I think that there is a rumor that he is also going to be starring in The Mandalorian season three. So, uh, if you're looking to get another Star Wars autograph, uh, maybe Christopher Lloyd is the one you want to go after as as well too. 
Um, I know there's a lot of Star Wars artists there as well, too, who have contributed to things such as the, the more modern comics as well as also the New High Republic stuff. But uh, the one that you should also be looking out for, I believe Katie Cook is also going to be there as well, too. We love Katie Cook. Katie Cook is just awesome. You haven't had a chance to ever meet her at a comic convention. Go up to her and chat with her for, for a little bit. Her art is amazing, and she's just a fun, good person to, to, to chat with. Um, I actually have, you check our Facebook page, you can actually see a, uh, a small little uh, uh, sketch, or I should say, not sketch, her smaller... Um, smaller uh, card art that she has done with with watercolors and ink. Uh, she did uh, she did one of what would what would Mark and Dan from the TJW TJW podcast look like if they were uh, Katie-fied? And uh, it's a, it's one of my favorite pieces of art that I have. So if you want to see it, check it out. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll repost it again um, on on the feed here so that everybody can have a chance to take a look at it. But really, it's 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 a fun piece. I love seeing that piece of, of Dan and I uh, as we're podcasting in a in a Katie-fied form. Uh, I had mentioned, I think, earlier this week as well too that uh, the uh, I was trying to go after that Boba Fett droid six-inch figure to, that Black Series look that uh that is out right now it's a target exclusive and it's um it it, it was in stores this week uh and uh, the problem is is that uh, i snoozed and i lost so I, I should have gone to target i just got it myself uh but i was waiting i was like well let me wait towards the uh, end of the weekend and so forth to pick it up uh it seems to be sold out now from 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 all the stores and it's it's also showing up in the secondary market now if you if you want to do if you want to get them there but um, I've got a feeling that maybe around holiday time that's going to start showing up again in stores. So uh, I haven't lost hope yet. Uh, another thing I noticed was that uh, Star Wars artist Dave Dave Dorman. Gosh, just love Dave's stuff. If you want to get some of the most greatest realistic looking Star Wars art out there is done by the great Dave Dorman. Um, he just came out with this fantastic book. This, uh, this, this, this six, by tw- 6 inch by 12 inch book. Uh, widescreen form of his Star Wars art that he has done. A lot of different projects. A lot of his art from previous Star Wars celebrations. Um, some new unpublished pieces. Uh, it's even it's on this nice hard stock, heavy 120 pound paper. Um, I think there's 12 pieces in this book here. It's 30 bucks, but that also includes shipping. That that includes the shipping as well too. So it's a pretty good deal. I have all. I have a lot of. Um, or I would say not a lot, but in in the books that I own, such as the Art of the Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars illustrations that came out a couple of years ago, um, he does have his art in there. Um, and but the only because a lot of the stuff was widescreen, you had to like you know put the gutter of the book in the middle of the of, of a of a piece of art. So while it still looks great in the book, um, part of me is just like, oh, you know, I, I would love to be able to have something that's all one one image without the the again cut in the middle with the gutter so this is the this is the book to get if you want to get something like that and it's also really nice as well too he is he's done in a way that there is nothing on the back of each photo so if you wanted to take out a photo you could you could frame it um it, it makes me think that i wonder if i should get you know two one for just the book form and one so i can use uh to switch in and out uh frame pictures for uh for my office um that's out there you can go to his uh to his website uh, or look him up on Facebook and uh, get all the information uh, about ordering it from there. But uh, really, nice, nice book, and I'm considering that as well, too. I am hopeful as well, too, uh, that Dave is going to be putting out soon a... Uh, he, you know, he does. He, used to, he was doing, like, during the pandemic, a lot of these, uh, um, you know, 
watch me watch me paint type videos during like lunchtime hours which was a lot of fun he would be there and he'd be like painting and talking to people going back and forth on facebook um it's so much fun watching him uh in action putting together his uh, his paintings uh one painting he did over the over that pandemic um over the last year year and a half he did of uh of kylo ren and ray as they looked in uh, the last jedi gosh i mean i love this i have his actual print of Ray and BB-8 from The Force Awakens, and gosh, I would love it. He made that 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 beautiful, beautiful art of of Ray and Kylo as they're battling against the Praetorian Guards in The Last Jedi, available as a print. So, uh, Dave, if you're listening to this uh, podcast, uh, you have one vote here right now for for making that into a print, and hopefully, more people will uh, will also say that uh, it should be made into a print as well too. Um, but either way. Uh, order Dave's book. It seems like it's a really uh, nice thing to have and add to your collection, especially if you're a book collector as well, too. And that's pretty much all for today's episode of the Traveling Gentleman Waste podcast. If you want to get in contact with us, contact me on the Facebook page. Send me a message, and we'd love to hear what you think about the podcast and what are your thoughts about Andor or any of the things that we spoke about. Did you go to New York Comic Con? Are you there right now? Are you are, are you having any sort of interactions with... Uh, Star Wars artists or guests who are there, we'd love to hear it. Did you pick up the Tales of the Jedi? Let us know if you if, if you picked up that volume and how it looks, uh, and if as well too. If you if you you know like I said, if you if you're going to be ordering uh, Dave's book, let me know that as well too. We'd love to give a shout out to Dave and let him know that uh, that that some of our listeners here on the podcast are also uh, ordering his book as well too. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Rob from Hero Fight Art is at uh, New York Comic Con, so be sure to stop by his. Uh, his uh, setup there because it is really something to see. Be sure to get some art from him. It's just wonderful. That's all for us for now. Hope everybody has a wonderful weekend and we will talk to you soon. Have a good one all.